Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast on this 7th of November 2019. I'm your host, Real Gerald Quinn, discussing the world of sports and pop culture. As always, we are streaming live on my YouTube channel. Uh, check it out at Real Deal Podcast. We will be, of course, putting this on Block Talk Radio, Stitcher, Spotify, I, uh, iTunes. You can find us all over the place. This episode should post anywhere from 15 to 20 minutes after, uh, well, 20 to 25 minutes after this uh, podcast is uh, completed. A lot to talk about on a now now Thursday morning. Um, I just wanted to get some things that, uh, wanted to discuss a couple things with you. And I'm going to begin with uh, what's been a kind of a hot topic in the NBA, and that is the Kawhi Leonard load management plan um, that, that has been kind of been ongoing for the last four or five years in the NBA. Maybe even going past that, it started really started with the Spurs resting resting some of their older players. And that's the, I, I put the emphasis on older players. And um, listen, Kawhi mastered the plan last year, and it worked to perfection because they won. He won a championship, and he currently is the best player in the world. But the season's barely two weeks old and he has played he's played one game in the last eight days you're telling me that Kawhi Leonard can't play he can't play back-to-backs he can't play two games in eight days and you know I get the Clippers doing this because that was a, this was the only way that the Clippers were going to were going to get Kawhi Leonard is that he was going to be able to control when he played and when he didn't play. Kawhi Leonard, probably, Kawhi Leonard this, this season, you've already heard that number, the number 65, around 60 to 65 games that he will play this season. So that's great for the Clippers uh, as a team. He should be well-rested for the playoffs. But in terms of the NBA, overall NBA product, as far as the fan experience, it is a disaster for you have these you got families, people all over the country paying the you know paying ridiculous amounts of money to go see a Kawhi Leonard play, and there's an opportunity, there's a more there's a chance that he will be sitting out. That he he will be sitting out uh, at any time. As you can you basically you can't even predict when he's going to sit out. So that is something that the NBA is going to look into. Uh, seriously, and not just with this um, investigator, this fake, you know, load management plan, load management uh, committee or whatever that they have in terms of looking into sitting, uh, resting players or sitting, this sitting players that they had, that they have currently, that's not going to work out because there's no way you can prove that a player, you know, they say, some, you know, they, the Clippers have come out and said this is due to a knee situation. We know he doesn't have a serious knee injury. We understand. We, we know the guy's averaging 29-7-7. He doesn't, he's 29-7-5. Um, his knee is fine. There's nothing wrong with Kawhi Leonard's knee. Uh, so the NBA, you know, the NBA's plan to, um, the NBA doesn't have a real plan that can, that can uh, prevent this from happening. That's all there is to it. The NBA, right, is a player's league. The players dominate the league in every which way but loose. Adam Silver is a player's commissioner. Period. So, until the next collective bargaining agreement is, is comes up, until television 
these television networks, whether ESPN and TNT, start cutting money and start, you know, really threatening uh, the Players Association, threatening the league, like, look, they can sit out games, but we're going to start cutting some, we're going to start taking away some of these, uh, reducing some of these prices on these contracts as far as this television money. Let's see what the players think about that. That's that's going to happen. I'm telling you right now, that's absolutely going to happen. So, you know, the league probably, its best bet for the future probably would be to shorten the season to 70 games and basically give a, you know, a edict that, hey, we expect that that you that you guys are going to suit up all 70 games. Because, again, the NBA, to their credit, to Adam Silver's credit, has done everything, and I mean everything, to accommodate these players. There are less back-to-backs than there have ever been in the NBA in recent memory. No situation, very few situations where you have four games in five nights. You had, you know, the week off for of the All-Star break. They have done Every single they have stretched out the season and still maintained the eighty-two games, as far as as far as you can as, as, as far as you can go without actually cutting games. So, uh, I think the NBA uh, the next step is they're gonna have to just cut some games, and you know maybe some again some player salaries might have to get might have to get cut. Now the players will be willing to give up some of that money. Because I'm not going to, you know, you're not going to play 70 games and then expect to, uh, you know, you're not going to play 70 games and expect a uh, salary for 82 games. I mean, that you get, you know, a lot of us, people who are hourly employees go to work for eight hours. You expect eight hours for pay. You're not going to get paid for eight hours and do four hours of work. Well, some of us, some people do. <laughs> some people go to work and do a couple hours of work and get paid for eight hours, but that's a whole nother conversation. So this is going to be a real sticking point in the next collective bargaining agreement in terms of negotiations. This is maybe one of the top, one of the number one agenda, one of the number one topics uh, that will go, that will be discussed uh, in regards to the NBA. Again, I don't blame Kawhi Leonard. I don't blame the Los Angeles Clippers. I don't. Like I, I, I sat up here on this podcast in the summertime and just gave all credit, and rightfully so, to Uncle Dennis and Kawhi for the, for for his plan. And for for taking care of his body, and for coming and coming back last year, played tremendous, led Toronto to a championship. But with that being said, I can't put Kawhi up there. You know, he's there's always there's already this talk about he may be one of the top thirty players of all time. He's not a top twenty five. I already people got him in the top twenty five of all time. I'll put him in the top 35 to 40, top 35. He's not getting, he's not cracking top 30 right now. Not definitely not top 25, but I can't put him up there all time with Jordan, Kobe, LeBron, guys in that ilk. Those guys played every single night. There's no load management for Magic for Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, even guys like Isaiah Thomas. When those guys miss games, they were injured. Period. That means something <laughs> to me. It may not mean something to to fans and to purists in 2019 who want to sit up here and tell you that you know players can't play a certain amount of games without getting injured and all this analytics and all this you know. Even though these players have the best trainers, 
nutritionists. They have the the best in terms of private jets. They have everything that these that players in past generations did not have. The game is nowhere near as physical. Close, not even close. So I don't, you know, I don't want to hear it when it wouldn't play. I don't want to hear it in terms of players are are playing uh, harder now or doing or playing harder now than was than they once were back in you know a generation ago. That's first thing. First of all, that's not that's not true. Two, if you want to say players have to move around more because of the spacing and the, and the three point shooting, okay, I'll give you that, but. The physicality, as far as the banging under the boards, post game things of that nature, you can't even breathe on these players without being a, a foul called in 2019. So that, to me, that cancels out the amount that cancels out the fact that players are moving more because of uh, the three point shot. As far as having to chase guys off the three point shot and having you know, again, uh, space and pace, I think the physicality of of the paint within the paint cancels that out when you look at the 80s and 90s. And that and, and era is going by, so I, I don't want to hear about players having it harder now than 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 uh, players um, before them. As far as uh, as far as it's harder to play basketball than it is now, I don't believe that for a second. I don't believe that at all. So the NBA has to deal with this. This this is not going away anytime soon. Um, Kawhi should have been playing tonight against Milwaukee. Nationally televised game, second straight week that he sat out a nationally televised game. And again, TNT, ESPN, um, all these channels pay a lot of money. ABC, once they start up their, uh, start up their Saturday night games, uh, I, would, I would think in February, late January, February, they pay a lot of money for these players. And they're not, they're not paying to see Patrick Beverly or George Hill. Okay. They want to see Kawhi Leonard and the Greek Freak. Sponsors are not playing, paying these networks if no one's going to watch the games. And trust me, no one's watching a game with a bunch of role players, prime time, Saturday night, Thursday night, Tuesday, whatever prime time games that are on uh, during the week. So NBA has, has to do something about it. This is, this is not going to go away anytime soon. And uh, we'll see what happens uh, moving forward. Uh, I want to talk. <laughs> I had to talk about the. I had to talk about this chicken sandwich that <coughs> that has people. The Popeyes chicken sandwich that has people absolutely just losing their minds. Had it on Tuesday. Best chicken sandwich I've ever had in my life. Number one, by far the best chicken sandwich. Um. I would not have a steady diet of it because I'm convinced whatever they put in that sandwich it will kill you within two to three years. Like I don't know what they're putting in that sandwich, but it, it, it's not. It's too good to be true. It's too good to be true. But on, but seriously, y'all gotta stop. Y'all gotta stop this shit with killing people, killing people over a chicken sandwich, or by or that being the motivation of you know cutting in line or. Uh, you know, trying to drive your car, where, trying to drive your car through a drive-through to where you you mess up your car, trying to cut in, you know, cut in line through a drive-through. That, I mean, come on, this is it's, it's a chicken sandwich. It's a chicken sandwich. And it doesn't help that Popeyes has probably you know some of the worst service that you'll ever see. 
in terms of how they use their their uh, resources. Like Popeyes, Popeyes is like the Cleveland Browns of restaurants, with where Chick Fil A is like the New England Patriots. You go to Popeyes, there's one person working the register. You got about eight or nine people behind the counter. Only three or four of them are really working. Three are just doing nothing. And you have one person on the register. I mean, you talk about a misuse of resources. So, you know, this thing, again, Uber, Grubhub, if you can avoid it, just don't even, if you, if that's, if all you want from Popeye's is a chicken sandwich, just order it, just order it online, just like I did too. So I was like, you know what, I'll pay the extra three or four dollars. Versus even dealing with the in, dealing with the inside of the uh, inside of the restaurant or the store, I'm good. I just Uber it. Keep it simple. Had the man, you know, person drop drop the sandwich off. Here you go, sir. Thank you. Enjoyed my sandwich, which again was the best chicken sandwich I've ever had, bar none. And I'm not. I thought that I missed it out on the first time when it came out. I was late to the party, and they, by the time I got by the time I got hit to it. It was sold out. I'm thinking to myself, this sandwich can't be that good. Can't, it's not that good. It can't be as good as everybody's bringing it, make, making it out to be. So I was ready to do a podcast where I'm basically ready to destroy the sandwich, even before I tasted it, saying tasted it, saying that basically it was overhyped, and we allow social media to, you know, tell us what's good, what's not. No, 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 no. This is the best chicken sandwich I've ever had, ever had in my life, ever. And it's not even close. All due respect to Chick Fil A. Not even close. Now, it's not gonna put Chick-fil-A out of business. You know, we know that. But if Chick-fil-A Chick-fil-A wants the title as, you know, fast food's greatest sandwich, they gotta go back to the lab. They gotta go back to the lab. That's, I mean, that's all there is to it. They have to go back to the lab because right now that Popeye's chicken sandwich is by far and away the best chicken sandwich on earth that I've had. I shouldn't say on earth because I haven't been around the world, but the best chicken sandwich I've had domestically, by far. It's not even close. Another week in the NFL is in the books. Um, not a lot of good games. Uh, you had two heavyweights really get knocked around in New England and Green Bay. I don't think we should overreact to either one of the losses. Green Bay's is just, you know, tenders. Listen, San Diego has some talent. Uh, but you know, Green Bay was due for a stinker, and that was absolutely a stinker. I'm not gonna react to it. Uh, in regards to New England and Baltimore, um, listen, you got to give Baltimore credit in terms of regard in terms of how they're using Lamar Jackson. Now, he was spectacular. He has he has become in terms of running the football. He was okay throwing it, but then but again, here's the thing about Lamar Jackson that he's not getting enough credit for. He does not turn over, for the most part, he does not turn over the football. He doesn't. And in that New England game, New England had been turning everybody over. Interceptions, fumbles, um, no turnovers. That was the key stat. Outside of, you know, they had 210 yards rushing on 41 carries, but uh, no turnovers. And we know what Belichick has done to first and second year quarterbacks. He just he hasn't. Matter of fact, that was the first time since 2004 that Belichick has lost to a first or second year starting quarterback. I would bet you to say that Ben Roethlisberger was that guy in 2004. But um, 
uh, Lamar, give Lamar Jackson a lot of credit. Baltimore is a legit threat to get to the Super Bowl. I don't think they will, but they have to be considered uh, uh, in the conversation in the AFC, which is not very good to begin with once you get past New England. We'll see what how Mahomes comes back with Kansas City. But um uh give you know, give Seattle give Baltimore a lot of credit. They the blueprint was not to turn over the ball. They ran the ball down New England's throats. Uh New England hadn't played anybody over the course of the season for the this, this was the first real offense they played all season. I'm not again, we know New England even even coming in at eight no is not a dominant team. You understand that? Um the running game is lacking. Tom Brady's not getting any younger, even though he's been okay. <clears throat> he's been pretty good this year. He hasn't been great. But he's been, he's, you know, hasn't, hasn't been a considerable drop in his performance. But, again, they Belichick knows he has, to protect, he has to protect Brady with the running game and with the defense. They're not going to win Super Bowl because of Tom Brady. They're going to win a Super Bowl because they're going to be led by their defense, and they're going to have to eventually get the uh, – New England's going to eventually get their running game going. In regards to Green Bay, they just, I, I don't know, it was something they ate the night before. They just were absolutely embarrassed by San Diego uh, with 26-11. It wasn't even that close. They got out game, you know, 442 to 184. Again, out of the conference, West Coast, AFC loss, it doesn't hurt Green Bay, big picture. Not, it, you're going to have a loss lose out of the out of the division out of the conference so it doesn't hurt them as far as home for the advantage <clears throat> as far as winning it winning a division uh minnesota also lost to the uh, loss to kansas city which by the way was a it's a horrible loss losing to kansas city without Mahomes. but we know minnesota can be shaky uh at times with the passing game and sometimes with the consistency um in terms of playing good teams so you had that going on. But uh, Green Bay, I, again, Green Bay is very – I think Green Bay is good. I'm not sure. It's, I, don't, I don't – I'm not sure Green Bay can get to the Super Bowl. I think I, – I know that – I think they're very good. and They're definitely improved from last year. And it's hard for me to say that considering who's the quarterback. But um, I, I think about teams that can win the Super Bowl. I'm not, I'm not ready to put Green Bay on that list. And again, this was not – not reacting to what happened against San Diego, even before that. I, I, you know, I like Green Bay, but I don't love Green Bay. But we'll see over the course of the season. Um, uh, we'll see what happens because they they are very they are very much dependent on turnovers. They are, they are very much dependent on turnovers. Like if they don't get if they don't get turnovers, you can absolutely absolutely move the ball on that defense without question. So we'll see um, if they can, uh, you know, if that was just a blip in, you know, in the season. You know, sometimes we see games like that. Teams just don't play well. Sometimes, you know, New England, for the most part, gets away with a, a bad game. Um, with playing a bad game again, I don't think New England played a bad game. It's Baltimore. I just think Baltimore was right. I, I think New England was due for a loss. And I just think right now Baltimore – trying to deal with Baltimore's running game is, is going to be is a handful because they can run the ball on seemingly can run the ball on, on anybody. Of course, you had the um, 
I wanted to talk about the Nationals. Um, I, again, I did not get to do a, didn't get, get to do a podcast after Game Seven. Probably should have did one right after post a post game after Game Seven. But but the Washington Nationals, one of the, probably the most enjoyable championships of a team that I did not root for. That's not actually my team that I've had enjoyed watching over the course of you know my lifetime. <clears throat> this was a team that you could easily root for. This was a team that, you know, just battled from basically being down in every series. And a team, again, an organization that absolutely did it <clears throat> the right way as far as how you build a team. That's with starting pitching. That's with developing talent. That's with being patient. Um, sitting uh, Strasburg down 2012. Um and seeing what Strasburg did, did in the postseason, had one of the great pitching postseasons of all time. <clears throat> they're going five and zero, oh. and um, I think they they will resign him. He's gonna he's opted out. I don't doubt for a second that they will resign Strasburg. That Strasburg will be a Washington National in 2020. Uh, I don't now Rendon could be gone, but uh, Strasburg. I expect Strasburg to be on the team. Uh, next year, <coughs> 2020, but um, it is one again one of the best, one of the great postseason runs, one of the most remarkable postseason runs uh, in recent memory. The teams that they beat, the pitchers that they went through um, to win two games on the road, in when you're down three two, on is you know that you know that's that's a series that we will never see again. We will never. I mean, never see a series where all where all the road teams um, where the road teams are undefeated. I'm convinced in any sport that we'll never see a series like that. That was one of the strangest series that I've ever seen in my lifetime of watching sports, where all the road where the road teams not only won but basically dominated, dominated. So. Hats off to the Washington Nationals. Uh, didn't get a chance to see the. Didn't get a chance to get to the parade on Saturday, but you know, was uh, watched a little bit. Watched some of it on te- on television. And you know, if you are a Washingtonian, Tonian, and if you're somebody that roots for all the, the districts teams, you deserve this championship because you had to, to live through the last twenty seven years of Washington Redskins, Washington, uh, the Washington Redskins play football or watching the Washington Capitals, excuse me, the Washington Wizards play basketball for forever. I mean, you deserve everything. You deserve a, a Stanley Cup that you got in 2018, and you deserve a world champion, a serious championship that you got in 2019, without question. Because why it has been the football and basketball teams have done nothing <laughs> professionally in the last, you know, in the last generation. So I expect the Nationals to be around for a long time. I know that they are they were the oldest team in baseball, but Mike Rizzo is one of the best in the business, and they they will replenish that talent, develop more talent, get the right free agents, and they still are they going to have still two of the top five, top ten pitches in baseball, maybe top seven to eight pitches in baseball in terms of um, Strasburg and and uh, and, and Strasburg and, and Scherzer. And Max Scherzer. So, 
they're going to be around for a long time. Now, the division will get better. Uh, the Mets have some talent. The Phillies will, I think, have a bounce-back year. A lot of people like the Braves next year. Again, I, I'll believe when I see it with the Braves. The Braves and the Twins are the ultimate choke artists in the postseason. They have po- they Those two teams in the postseason do nothing, and I won't believe that those two teams in the postseason will do anything until I see it. So, to me, the Nationals go into next season as one of the favorites to win that division, certainly a team that can get back um, to the playoffs and, and uh, make an, uh, make another run at a World Series championship. Almost impossible to compete in baseball nowadays with just just so many talented teams, uh, talented players just spread out. The talent is spread out for the most part. You got to have, you know, just incredible – luck with the injuries and just you know a team gets hot you get the wrong matchup like the dodgers ran to the nationals that was absolutely the wrong matchup i mean think think about this think you know milwaukee handles their business against the, the nationals in that wild card playing game then there's no way to die there's no way the milwaukee milwaukee brewers would beat the dodgers in uh in a series there's, there's no way it just it would not have happened so Dodgers would have beat the Cardinals or whoever. The Nationals were just a bad matchup for uh, uh, for the Dodgers. That was the wrong team for them to play. The wrong team. So, uh, again, congratulations to the Nationals. They're going to be around uh, for a long time. John Whisper's funeral um, was celebrated. A number of celebrities, as you, you know, would expect were there, uh, you know, Ice Cube, Cedric the Entertainer, um, Marlon Rain, Marlon Wayne spoke, and you know, with John Witherspoon, who yeah, I don't know how to categorize his career. He was around forever, and he was one of few, I would say non-superstar comedians that could steal a movie in one scene. Like he, you know, Boomerang, House Party, Friday, um, I would say Friday to a lesser extent because he had he had he had more uh airtime or screen time in Friday than he did probably in both House Party and Boomerang combined. But you talk about a, a scene-stealing personality and a scene-stealing star. He was as good as it could get, as it gets from that standpoint in recent memory. With just again the boomerang scene when he's at the when they at the dinner table, I, I don't know if it was Thanksgiving dinner. Like it's it's a classic. I mean, it's a it's a classic classic scene. And, you know, house party. I paid $10,000 for this damn house. And I just, I, I, I mean, that was, that's somebody's, that is somebody's pops. You can imagine somebody's pops complaining about a house party next door and, and sticking their heads out the window and saying, saying what they were saying, what he said. Maybe not as funny, but he was, he, he was a definition of pops. Like that, again, he did, I saw an interview with him uh, that he did uh, on Vlad TV. And he, you know, he just said flat out, "Listen, as the you know, part of his success was he accepted his age, and as he accepted his age, he's like, I'm gonna play 
I played, you know, when I was younger, I played younger parts. As I got older, I played, you know, old man parts. He had, he had, he just, he was, he was like, I'm not going to play these parts, not, you know, trying to be young or trying to be, or, you know, trying to be something that he wasn't. And that's, and that's the thing. You, you, you can tell somebody, you can tell somebody a lot of times who is genuinely, genuinely authentic. And, you know, this who John, you know, the John Witherspoon you saw on, on screen was probably the John Witherspoon that, you know, that, you know, that probably, you know, was in real life. That, that I mean, this is, seems like this is who he was. And uh, nothing but all everything, you know, all the comedians that have spoke about him has nothing but raved about about him in terms of their his influence on their careers. And, you know, Marlon Wayans broke it down, talking about, listen, he was a part of that, the Richard, you know, Richard Pryor and his comedy staff and his writers, you know, Eddie Murphy, Robert Townsend, those guys, Eddie Murphy demanded that John Witherspoon would be in uh, Boomerang. Like Eddie Murphy told the powers that be, John Witherspoon is going to be in this movie, period. Uh, Marlon Wayne said that they demanded that he play the role of Pops in the Wayne's Brothers. See, uh, NBC didn't want them, want, you know, wouldn't cast them. They said, okay. And that's they ended up with the uh, W, at that time, the uh, WB network. And really, that, uh, the Wayne's Brothers, um, the Robert Townsend show, uh, Robert Townsend show, not Parenthood. It might have been Parenthood. Uh, show might have been, um, I don't think it was called the Parenthood. It was a I forgot the name of the show, but those Buffy the Vampire Vampire Slayer those those were landmark shows that really got that network the WB now the UPN at the time now they called the CW that got that network uh, rolling. Like those shows, like that that network wouldn't be existing if it wasn't for shows like that in the beginning, uh, back in the, back in the early to mid nineties. So again, he was a whole legend without question, a whole legend, and someone that would definitely be missed. He was still, I mean, he did a he did an interview with D.L. Hughley, Hughley a couple of weeks ago. Um, so this was uh, this was definitely that was unexpected, even though he was uh, seventy seven years old. Um, so definitely rest in peace to him. Uh, just a tremendous talent, and some and to me, and I always say this in any any you know aspect of life any walk of life any career the definition of greatness is standing that can you stand the test of time can you stand the test of time and john witherspoon definitely st stood the test of time over the course of his uh, illustrious uh, career um power is still you know after the last couple of days I've been watching a lot of power content content over the internet youtube and I gotta give Courtney Kemp and who Fifty Cent. You gotta give them all. You have to give them all the credit in the world because <laughs> you could say the season was trash, and I thought it. Was, I thought, in my opinion, it was the weakest season. You could say it was trash, but the bottom line is, people are going to be talking about this show up until the point. Who knows when it's going to stop? I thought that they would lose some momentum. With um, having with a mid-season finale and not coming back to you know next year, not coming back to January, two months, 
people, you know, holiday season, um, other shows coming on, coming back. Nah, <laughs> no, no, no. The way they constructed the season, how the season ended, people are going to be talking about and wondering about who shot Ghost up up until January 5th, period. And I, 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 I got to give credit where credit is due. I, I don't agree with I don't agree with them shooting ghosts and I think in my opinion killing ghosts, but I understand why they did it. I I exactly understand why they did it. So people are gonna be in the amount of content that that's gonna be eating off power. I mean, you I mean you saw the show I did on Sunday. I I rarely do any podcast on one show. I mean, I think I, matter of fact, I'm trying to think, what's the, what's the last podcast I did about one show or episode show? I remember we used to do those way back in the day. Um, did I did some podcasts on the last seasons, the final seasons of Boardwalk Empire and Breaking Bad. So I did those back-to-back years when we were doing podcasts with, uh, with Chad Quinn and Rob Sapp in terms of breaking down those episodes. But that was like, I mean, that was years ago. That was at least now going on five or six years ago. It has been a long time since I do an entire podcast on one show, one episode. Like, what was it, 50 minutes on Sunday? There's a lot to talk about. But listen, I, I, I give Courtney Kemp credit. I give Courtney Kemp a lot of credit. And Listen, she, you know, it seems like, you know, in those last five episodes, they're going to come back. They're going to talk about, they're going to write, write it from a standpoint of perspective of, you know, the, the suspect's uh, point of view. And maybe this, maybe those five episodes all take place in one day based on that one day leading up to uh, when Ghost got killed. But whatever it is, people are going to be talking about it up until the point where you have a, up until January 5th. And I thought that would be almost impossible possible to do with a two month layoff. I really did. I didn't think that I didn't think that people would thought it would lose some steam. It's not gonna it's it's only gonna be gaining steam up until January fifth. Especially considering the fact that uh you know, if Comcast drops power, drop stars, they don't come up with a deal and people are gonna be, you know, chasing be on the app. Or good, or you know, going through other other means and platforms to uh to get that show. So, hats off to Courtney Kemp. Um, look, she she knows how to feed the machine. I mean, she's created a monster. And again, the, in regards to what you say, what you say, or what I say about the writing and it, you know, not being as strong as it was in the first couple seasons, people are people are obsessed with this show, and we and seemingly will remain. Obsessed with this show. That's going to wrap it up for this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast. As always, you can catch this podcast on Stitcher, YouTube, uh, Blog Talk Radio, and a number of other platforms. Oh, oh, oh number of other platforms over the uh, internet. It will again. It will air. It will air on YouTube anywhere from 20 to 25 minutes after, you know, when we're done. Blog Talk Radio. As always, thanks for listening. 
This is the Real Deal Podcast, telling like it is with no apologies. I'm out.